I went to a marvelous party. Christopher, this is only going to work if we speak one at a time. Fine, you first, Eric. From the Sunset Strip in beautiful West Hollywood, California, it's The Dinner Party Show, the Internet's first live comedy variety show, with your hosts, New York Times best-selling authors, Christopher Rice. No, there's actually a new study that confirms every other child you see on the street is a ghost. <laughs> and Eric Shaw Quinn. I don't want to talk too much, but... Okay, we're going no, to no. take up a collection for the stained glass window. Now we want the dirt. <laughs> Featuring reports from their largely unqualified staff of special correspondents. Sex is like Christmas. It's the not knowing what you're going to get that makes it exciting. New York is a giant trash island infested by has-been theater queens. If we're really serious about cutting federal spending, the biggest waste of public funds I can think of is Congress. Two snaps for Jesus! The Dinner Party Show. Everyone gets served. Tonight's live cast is streaming to you live and for free through the dinnerpartyshow.com and our free mobile app. And now, direct from the kitchen by way of the Get out of my office. It's your hosts, Christopher and Eric. Good evening, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and you're listening to The Dinner Party Show for October 5th, 2014. And tonight, we will not be talking about Kevin Cox, the owner of Bergeron's Restaurant in Port Allen, Louisiana, mm. who is giving a 10% discount to all customers who bring guns into his restaurant. Oh, my. Cox believes the presence of his gun-toting cousins make his business as safe as if law enforcement were on site. <laughs> what could go wrong? Because as those of us who are from the South know, the best way to keep things safe is to give firearms and beer to your country cousins. Uh-huh. Good luck, Mr. Cox. We hope you have insurance. And we'll see you at the funeral. We will also not be talking about Uganda's new anti-witchcraft laws. You could be beheaded under the old laws, so we are reluctant to find out how they could be worse. But knowing Ugandans, we're sure they are. Also, Uganda sucks, or at least their legislature does. It's against the rules for everyone else, so we're not talking to them or about them. Indeed. Works for me. Also not being discussed on tonight's dinner party show, Amanda Bynes. Now that her parents' Ugh. conservatorship has expired, we realize there's going to be an uptick in stories about this very lost young woman. Diplomatic. But unlike most of the media outlets on the planet, we aren't going to cover them while pretending our coverage is a discussion of celebrity addiction mm. rather than a link-bait-driven exploitation of it. In fact, we're just not going to cover her at all. Excellent choice. Further, we have no interest in discussing Sarah Palin, but in her recent remarks, defending racism to a bunch of fellow hateful <laughs> morons stupid enough to attend an event where the big loser noted quitter and failed weather girl was allowed to speak, Palin said that truth was an endangered species at 1400 Pennsylvania Avenue. Since that's the address of the Willard Hotel, and every six-year-old knows that the White House is at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, we're very tempted to talk about what an ignorant sellout Palin is, but we keep hoping that if we all ignore her, she'll just go the fuck away. So, soccer mom's the word. Also not being discussed on tonight's show, Walter Earl Morrison. Hmm. The 20-year-old UPS employee who stole a package he believed was full of cash and traded it for $20 worth of joints, only to discover the package actually contained a diamond valued at $160,000. The diamond was later recovered and sent to its intended recipient, quite a <laughs> thing to send UPS, but and authorities right? have nicknamed Morrison the, quote, half-baked bandit. <laughs> but we're not talking about him except to say really? just because it's almost legal everywhere now doesn't mean it's good for you. All right, then. <laughs> Tempting, though. <laughs> 
Also, we do not want to hear another word about the anti-gay, demon-worshipping interior decorator Bentham Brothers, (laughs) who compared the recent pass on their HGTV show pitch to being beheaded by ISIS. When Right Wing Watch accurately quoted some of their more hateful anti-gay remarks in a recent report. Guys, who do you think watches HGTV? Girl. And we have no interest in the ludicrous assertion of anti-gay activist Peter LaBarbera, who compared himself and fellow self-loathing anti-gay closet cases Scott Lively and Matt Staver to Jews being persecuted by the Nazis after the three uber bigots were included in the HRC's Exporters of Hate report for encouraging the persecution of gay people in other countries like Russia and you guessed it, Uganda. Them again. Just want to point out, guys, the Jews were not persecuting the Nazis. And while you and the failed reality DIY losers still have your heads, apparently none of you are using them at present. As for everything else, it's still on the table on tonight's episode of The Dinner Party Show. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Enjoy the hors d'oeuvres, but don't fill up. There's plenty more to come. Welcome back to The Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And we are very excited about our guests this evening, Cami Garcia. Oh my God, they are so great. And Margaret Stoll, the authors of Beautiful Creatures, will be here later in the show. But in the meantime, I have a gift to present to you, Eric oh, Shaw Quinn. Gifts. My favorite thing. What did I get? Well, we have been talking about on the show and tweeting about the show Intruders on BBC America. Oh, I love that show. So I received a direct message from the Intruders Twitter account. Fancy. Asking for our addresses so they could send us a present. And they have sent really? us <gasps> a t-shirt. Oh my God, how excellent. I have an Intruders BBC America you t-shirt. Do. Is it this says, for me? Don't let them in on the front and on the back. It says Intruders BBC America. And it came with this note. Let me read it to you. Dear Chris and Eric. We really hope what goes around comes around (laughs) is true because you're both awesome. Thanks so much for tweeting with hashtag intruders this season. Cheers, your friends at BBC America. Wow. I feel like, you know, sort of almost like a celebrity or famous or something. I know. Usually you have to bitch about something on Twitter to get any attention, but we were positive about something and we got free t-shirts. Who knew being positive about things could have positive results? (laughs) Not us. It never even occurred to me, but now... Now that I say it that way, it kind of seems like it makes sense. It's like a manifesting vision board type thing. Do do you think we should try being nice or something? No. No, I don't think anyone will listen if we're nice. we don't have any real skills in that area, so maybe we'll do, like, the nice minute. (laughs) (laughs) Eric says something nice. I enjoy cheese. This has been Eric Says Something Nice. I sound like an old woman from East Texas. We all sound like old women from East I Texas enjoy on this show. Cheese. We enjoy it. We enjoy cheese. We enjoy intruders. It's the aftermath of cheese that can be challenging. The <laughs> cheese itself is actually You've really gone off great. nice. You're already leaving uh, the topic. See, this is really, although you, when we did good, better, worse, oh, I couldn't. you couldn't do good at all. I couldn't. I there couldn't. Was, he's not a do-gooder. I'm a fatalistic Irishman. <laughs> I am. I just see how everything's going to go wrong. Right? That's yeah. we're the Irish. We really are. What and did you say about the Irish? Your <laughs> line? Say it. The Irish people invented guilt, but they're so good at it that they made the Jewish people feel responsible. <laughs> That's very true. We're, we're an insidious lot, the Irish. And yeah, if, you, if you're looking for positive and upbeat, you need to look somewhere else. Yeah. How does every Irish party begin? <laughs> Someone died. Right? Someone is dead. Then we're going to get drunk and celebrate their life. <laughs> we only celebrate you once you die. Right? Because other than everything else while you're alive is a tragedy. It's a series of unpleasant events and tragedies. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> we, even, we even have our own term for movies where it's, oh, it gets really Irish. <laughs> Oh, it's really an Irish film. Like, it's really Irish. Oh, yeah, like Veronica Guerin. Do you remember that movie? I wanted to throw myself into a giant vat of scotch after I watched that movie. Yeah, it's kind of amazing that people like Oscar Wilde are from Ireland. Like, (laughs) I I guess he had to escape to London. He's an Irish refugee. Right? (laughs) 
All right, well, we're going to take a brief break. I think we have another installment in our new series, What's Science, with oh, Jordan Ampersand. So we'll have no more information about what science is afterwards. Well, there goes our nice minute here on The Dinner Party Show. We'll be back <sighs> soon. And now it's time for another edition of What's Science? With Jordan Ampersand. Today's topic... Predator fish! Oh, dear. Good evening. I'm critic at large for the dinner party show, Jordan Ampersand, and welcome to What Science? Predator fish have invaded the waters off of Florida, causing lots of problems for people in Florida who like fish. I'm joined now by Judith Freeman, media director for the Florida Fish and Wildlife Protection Division. Hi, Ms. Freeman. Hello. It's good to be here. Ms. Freeman, is it true to say that the ocean by your state is totally full of predator fish now? In a manner of speaking, yes. But the term predator fish is actually a larger classification for a non-native species. Let's not get bogged down in the names of stuff, okay? Uh, really? Science is kind of... All about the names for stuff. I, I'm not really Ms. sure. Miss that... Freeman, I don't mean any disrespects here, but how much time elapsed between the appearance of the first fish bearing distinctive dreadlocks, an iron face mask, and an ability to shoot lasers out of its hands, and this alleged infestation of which you now speak? A- am I supposed to know what you're talking about? Miss Freeman, you work in science. Where have you been? In the past few months, predators have wiped out a team of mercenaries in the Central American jungle and a bunch of cops in downtown LA and Adrian Brody on a weird planet. Are you really claiming fish spawned by these alien warriors suddenly started swimming all over the place in Florida and nobody noticed until now? Wait, the the movies? Are you talking about those movies? In the past year, the first two were like 20 years old. Uh-uh, I saw them all last week. These are lion fish. We're talking about lion fish, not aliens. Is it not true that your own press release refers to them as a non-native species? Of course it's true. Which is the same thing as an alien. And do you not also in the same press release refer to them as a predator species? Yes, because they are a predator species, but that Hello, doesn't mean... Predator plus alien equals that predator alien thing with dreadlocks and laser hands. They are alien to the Atlantic Ocean. They're not from outer space. And we've been addressing this issue since 2005. This interview was supposed to be about the fact that we're introducing new mitigation measures to further reduce... Well, I don't see how you're going to get their numbers down if you don't even know what they are. We do know what they are. They're called... Lionfish, you moron. They can spawn as frequently as every four days, and they've been spotted as far as a thousand feet below the surface. They don't swim in school, so they're incredibly hard to catch or trap, and most of their natural predators aren't present in the Atlantic because they are alien to this area. That's what I... so we're back to this confusion about predator aliens. Who looked me on Fox News? Wait, I'm the only one on what science that's supposed to hang up on scientists? No fair. Ew. Whatever, Judith Freeman. I hope a predator fish laser hands your face. Florida's been over for years anyway. I'm Jordan Ampersand, and this has been What Science? You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn, where the soup is hot, but the heads are hotter. Welcome back to the Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. So I, our next guests are uh, YA authors, so I thought we were going to have a long list of stuff we couldn't talk about. They roll into our studio all like party animal, oh talking God. at the top of their lungs. Cami Garcia and Margaret Stoll, who you Woo-hoo. may know is the author of, uh, authors, I should say, of Beautiful Creatures and the Caster Chronicles, and their own individual series. Cami, the second book in your own series is out today. Yes, it is. Unmarked. From the Legion series, yes. unmarked. Now they're going to be all quiet. We were all talking up a right. storm before we I'm started rolling. I'm telling you, suddenly. <laughs> now just, they're like good little schoolgirls. Yeah, the second book in uh, the Legion series, the sequel to Unbreakable, is out today. And uh, wherever books are sold, That's so rush to the store right congratulations. now. Right? That's right. why she's so drunk right now. <laughs> <laughs> and you're, are you going on book tour? Are you going out to meet the... Meet the people. I am uh, going to be at the Grove. Uh, by the time this airs, it will not be tonight. But I'm, tonight I'm going to be at the Grove. And then I'm going to New York and North Carolina and Texas. Are you going to cool. press the flesh? I don't want to know what that means. 
That press, and, and rubbing elbows. Those yeah. are expressions where you go, where did that press, come from? That sounds so Press the awful. flesh yeah, is I'll, way more graphic. I'll press so your just, flesh. But that's this just, is what all writing partners, what people the, imagine writing partners I suggest anyway. you not say that to anyone who doesn't know you well. So but, you brought Margaret with you today to heckle you while you were doing the interview. That's I think my that's job. what writing partners that's are what for. what Eric and I do to each other as well. We, we just do it every week. Although I have to say, I'm intrigued by the process of the two of you writing those gigantic books yeah. together like is do you bring like hatchets with you to knives and secret it's, weapons it's, or do you drug the other one and it's actually, convince them to do stuff it's quite similar to the vulcan mind meld oh. that's kind of oh. we do it it's one it's really just one right there and it's done or so but wait do you read each other's individual books and think mm, she would have done a better job if she'd had me on this one <laughs> of course we do <laughs> We, we read each Christopher other's Christopher sows dissension. <laughs> the, the most telling thing what? is that when we went on tours for our individual books, we made the other person come with us. Oh, that's sweet, though. So clearly, we, we as much as we do actually enjoy writing together and alone, but it is a lot more fun to write together and a lot less lonely. We enjoy yeah. fighting a lot, too. We're sort of like sisters. And it's very sad when you have no one to fight with every single day. It's like being a lone little sibling out there in the world. Well, you know, I, we interviewed an author on this show, uh, Terry Hayes, who is a screenwriter who yeah. wrote a Mad Max and a lot of movies Woo-hoo! and he had a thriller called I Am Pilgrim and he said he was terrified when he started to write his first book because he realized there was going to be nobody else to blame. Right. Like on a yeah. movie, you can, oh, the director fucked up or all this sort of stuff. And with each other, you can blame the other one. When I go time. to school visits or festivals that Margie has been to before me, like I'll I'll start my spiel and I'll say, what did Margie say about me when I wasn't here? And they always hear <laughs> and they go, they said she wrote all the good parts and you wrote all the bad parts. And I was right. like, okay, so since I'm here last, I'll let you know that's a huge lie. Yeah. <laughs> I write all the good parts. She writes all the mushy parts. And then yeah. they were like, yeah, you both said the same thing. And you all were both high school teachers, so you know how teenagers Is work. that where you first met? No, mm, no. She was my children's teacher. Oh, I was totally, so, wow, okay. Yeah, I taught, I taught, I was a TA in college. Oh, And okay. she was a teacher. And we are the only two people, I mean, aside from you gentlemen, who read books in Los Angeles. Like, you may <laughs> option books, but you certainly don't read them. You pay some. So you don't have to read them, right? right? I just we just read the cover. You write, you right. pay someone else to write the book report on the book. Yeah. So we met as like the two people who read books, right. and it was an anachronism. You know, we only had each other, and we swapped books, and that was sort of the beginning of this beautiful troublemaking Lucy and Ethel friendship. Friendship. So it started with. With just as well, simple as that, like really, it started like uh, one of your children did something hideous, and you had to go in and talk year. to her. And for a year, <laughs> she was the only adult I saw. She was such a good kid. She was just a little ornery. Mm. Every day, Cammy broke her I like a that. horse. Cammy, talk to us kids. about ornery. Like, what what does ornery look like <laughs> um, on a kid? Ornery looks, looks like just like her. It looks like Cammy, only maybe Henri a little looks shorter. Like, Henri Henri looks like uh, you know, staring out the window while I'm teaching lessons, and you know, sometimes she would be reading um, other books in her desk while I not was not written by you. Right. Well, yeah. I hadn't written anything, but I would I would be reading other books out loud. She'd be reading like something better in okay. her desk. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, this sounds she, like characters. Actually, from a she knew. Cammy taught a reach. Cammy taught a uh, fantasy book club. And my at my house for my daughter and her friends because they were super high fantasy school, nerds. Junior high. Mm-hmm. And there was one day when Emma came out and said, Cammy, uh, Mrs. Garcia signed us a book about lesbian fairies, and I think I yes. like it. Yes. <laughs> well, That's the worst so part hot. was I didn't. What a good teacher. It was, I didn't know the lesbian fairies were in it, and I had no trouble with the lesbian fairies. So then I was like, you know what, you guys, I got to call and talk to your parents about this. And they were all like, we all know what lesbians are. What's the problem? And I was like, I understand, but I just want to make sure everybody's parents, there's going to be a discussion. Everyone's parents are fine with us to let, you know, discussing was, the intricacies of the lesbian fairy. Was there like a permission slip where it said, check this box if you're okay with no, your child I, reading about was, lesbian there fairies? There were seven kids. I called all the moms, and I yeah. literally said, you know, guys, there's like a little glitch, but we're at book club. Everybody wants to read about the lesbian fairies. Like, are you on board? <laughs> and everyone was like, well, we don't care if they're lesbians as long as they're not having like, you know, this, they are in like seventh grade. They're not having like any sort of like very intricate sex, are they? Yeah. And you I was said like, it's just lesbian fairy sex. And I, I said, mean, not the I said, no, no, it's lesbian fairy making out. And they were like, we're totally fine with that. We love it when lesbian fairies make out. Okay, let's talk about the fact that really you and I met, Cammy, because you are an insane, like, hide outside our house. House and Rice fan, basically. And okay. you stalked oh, me really? for like are you six, 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 six
so we're going to talk about a story that she unfolded. She did have leaves in her hair when she got at, here. At <laughs> uh, Comic-Con, San Diego Comic-Con, you tried to cut the line, the signing line for my mother, and uh, it didn't quite go no. as planned. So why don't but you take that away? first, I'm just going to say, Uh-oh. you and I became friends online independently, and I never even mentioned your mom that's until much true. later. That's very true. Lies. But that's how a stalker would do okay. it. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah ease pro. in, ease in. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Harrington. I, I was a teacher for 17 years before we accidentally wrote Beautiful Creatures, and my family is from the South. So Southern Gothic is my bread and butter. And there is no one who writes Southern Gothic in the universe like Anne Rice. Like, I grew up That's on Anne correct. Rice. That's correct. That is true. absolutely so, true. I read it when sometimes when I just need to go home for a little bit. I, I read just a little read Anne it all Rice the time. And, and so I Actually, I was, when it is true, when we were pitching the book, or not pitching it, when people were looking at it, they kept likening it to um, Twilight. And Cammy kept saying, no, The Witching Hour. I said, no, it's <laughs> the, the Witching Hour. Anne Rice, witching The Witching Hour. hour. <laughs> she said it like yeah. a thousand times. <laughs> yeah. But um, so we, I was at um, Comic-Con, and I was signing, and there was like, big line it was very fancy and uh, mysterious galaxy was doing the selling and they said um i said why are there's all these other people lined up already like we're leaving and they said oh no no that's for ann rice you know she's gonna be here in two hours and i was like what and i said okay i'm gonna come back and they said well did you get your ticket and i was like ticket i said like you're a famous author but you're not no, that but famous. i said like i said to like patrick who, who runs mysterious galaxy i'm like patrick it's to me he's like there's no this is like ann rice there's a wristband there's no cutting there's nothing i can do to help you bitch. and i'm not going to be here this other guy john's going to be here so i like and look john's a bitch and he yeah, hates right. you john no but i look people. over and i'm hoping that john is like either a biker a mechanic or a big Hispanic guy, because then that means like I'd have him. Right. But- <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Let's un- let's unpack that. <laughs> I'm saying generally the guys, the guys who love me the most are um, construction workers, uh-huh. mechanics, bikers, lesbian, and Latin guys, lesbian fairies, and lesbian, lesbian fairies. fairies. Yeah. But there were no lesbian fairies working at that time. You would have been in. Yeah. Instead, John is a, is a very handsome, nice, older white man. So I was like, I'm totally screwed. So you're down. screwed. Yeah. yeah. So I go up. Way and, too mouthy and for that a, type. But out of context, it was like so wrong. So I went up and I was like, hi, John. You know, I'm Cami Garcia. He's like, oh, I know you. I know your books. And I said, um, did you say I'm number one New York Times bestseller, Cami Garcia? No. I said, she, I, I said that, that was on the T-shirt. So it went without saying. <laughs> I said, I did say I'm Cami Garcia, the shorter half of Beautiful Creature. Right. There you go. And oh. then I said, um, I am the biggest Anne Rice fan in the universe. I need to get him a sign line. What do I have to do to make that happen? Which I later, you know, it kind of sounded like yeah, wow, yeah. Like, little propositional. Meet you at the Sheraton later, yeah. and he said, "You know what? I can't do anything for you. The only people who like are going to be in the line are the people who work for Mysterious Galaxy. So unless you want to work for Mysterious Mysterious Galaxy, I can't help you." And I was like, "Done. What do I have to do? Give me the robe." You so said. like, I ditch my fancy, I ditch the fa- <laughs> the fancy agents and all my friends. Marky's like, "Are we going to lunch?" I'm like, "No, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna I'm going to see Anne I Rice. think her exact words were, "I'm working." <laughs> <laughs> I have I, a new job. I come it's been back. Fun, but I come back two hours later. While everyone's at lunch, I'm I'm going to be late for a panel. By the way, I'm in the line. Mm-hmm. I'm like working the line. I have my T-shirt. They didn't want me to handle the money though. I'm handing out the books to the people. Which Anne Rice books would you like? Yeah. And then at the end, the guy was like, "Okay, just go over and get your book signed." Like, so fine. you worked the whole line before you got to meet her. I thought the whole deal was you got to be up front by working it. No, 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 no. Because wow. I had to wait. For and you the... were late for your panel. Oh, I didn't care about that. It was it was a lesbian fairy panel. It was all old and news. And she was already on the record. About yeah. And I got panels. there and I just said, Everybody you know what? Knew, yeah. I got there and I said, listen guys, I'm really sorry, but it was Anne Rice. And they were like, oh, oh. we totally understand. <laughs> because they know, it's in my bio, like my favorite author, Stephen King, Anne Rice. Didn't so, you uh, do that also at RT? No. No. They she, wouldn't let me. She was signing at RT while we were signing and they literally said, you may not get up. Do so somebody else not it. fuck with the women of RT. Yeah. That thing is run like an Enron office. Yeah. Like <laughs> we're doing a big piece on the Romantic Times convention. I'm later running in the, month. the YA track this year. Yeah, yeah. No, I went for the first time and I interviewed all the uh, authors who were going to be in a thousand one dark nights. But that it's got like a staff of thousands. They, that they will beat you down. Yeah, it was insane. But they give out miniature whips. Which so I the think most is cool. I'll actually I'll show you the miniature whips like keychains. I didn't sized, get a whip. Or, that's really excellent. I have like ten. I want one. But Why I, didn't uh, I get a miniature whip? Excellent. Don't give him all one. right, we've got a lot more to talk about with Cami Garcia and, and Margaret Stoll. Plenty to say. Well, Eric Shawquin always has plenty to say. And these two. Here on the Dinner Party Show, we will be right back. 
Tired of dining alone? Enjoy the dinner party show with friends. Like us on Facebook and become one of our party people. Then, during our live shows on Sundays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, you can join the conversation and post questions for Christopher, Eric, and their guests. During the week, drop in for tasty side dishes, show updates, and fun with the other party people. The Dinner Party Show. You are the life of our party. Did you know the government decides whether or not the milk we drink is safe? (laughs) The government? Who do they think they are? I do the grocery shopping in my family, and I'll decide what's safe. Government regulations just drive up the cost of milk by requiring milk producers to maintain and certify sterile conditions, pasteurize their products, and buy a lot of useless cleaning supplies. Cows don't care about how clean the milker is. Why should I? And pasteurization was invented in the 19th century, yet it's still required today. And we all know that old stuff is useless because we don't know anything about it. Proposition M would remove all those wasteful government regulations that are hurting job creation in our state by subjecting milk producers to unnecessary and wasteful cleanliness practices, purity standards, and labor policies. If I want to serve my family tainted water, colored milky white with latex paint, and bottled by unwashed, indentured sweatshop workers living in their own filth so I can save enough to upgrade my cell phone whenever I feel like it, that is my constitutional right. And it's high time the government spent less time regulating and more time fundraising like our founding fathers intended. Proposition M ends all government regulations once and for all and puts the power to decide back in the hands of the people. We don't need the government telling us what's in our milk or anything else. We built this great country with no help from the government and we can get along without them and their pesky protections and rule of law now. So, vote for freedom. Vote for Proposition M. Paid for by the Proposition M Committee, a soulless consortium of out-of-state corporate interests who got this porky boondoggle on the ballot to make themselves even more obscenely wealthy by removing the government protections that slow down their ability to steal you blind while taking no responsibility for their actions whatsoever. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Let's dish! Welcome back to The Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And seated at our table are Cammie Garcia and Margaret Stoll, the authors of the number one New York Times bestselling authors of Beautiful Creatures and Your The Hair. Caster Chronicles and their own series. And it today is Cammie's launch day for Unbreakable. Mm. So they're not really seated. Unmarked. They're all jacked up the on The sequel coffees. to Unbreakable. Unmarked. The sequel to Unbreakable. <laughs> Somebody didn't read his own it. show notes. I know. <laughs> Okay, I'll read them for you. So let's let's go back in time. All right. So Cami Garcia is a high school teacher here in Los Angeles. Uh, Margaret is the parent of one of her students and, and the to... queen of of video games. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that was my gig. I had that gig. It just goes to show you can have a lot of gigs. Right. I made video games for sixteen years. Wow. Because I am the oldest person you will ever interview. I appear to you today as a miracle of modern science. <laughs> Well, we are definitely the oldest YA writers because most of them are like 23 and could be our daughters. We gave birth to most of them. But your original plan was to write a book together and post it for free on a website. Well, plan is an overstatement. I was about to say that. (laughs) Napkin is a closer to the truth. I was was in a dollar tequila. I was an elementary school teacher and I also tutored high school English and taught high school book groups and seven kids, including Margie's daughter and my younger sister, were in my fantasy book club. And there was a lot of talk, um, like Hunger Games hadn't come out, but Twilight was out, and they were, you know, kind of sick of reading the same thing. They were like, why can't anybody create their own supernaturals? Why can't the girl be the powerful one? Why is that girl so whiny? So Margie and I went to eat Mexican food at El Cholo, as we often do. And tequila was involved. Yes, and uh, you knew it. And we were saying, like, well, you know, we could totally create our own supernaturals. That would be so easy. And you know, we we could set it in the south. And we start writing it all down on napkins. And by the end of the time, like 
three hours later, we came up with the idea for three pictures later. Beautiful, cre- beautiful creatures. And Margie goes home to tell her daughter about yeah. her idea and what happens. Yeah, and I told my oldest surly daughter, the one Cammy broke like a horse in right. her classroom, and she laughed in our faces and said, "Well, yeah. mostly in Margie's face." Yeah, she said, Mom, you might say you're going to write a book, but you're actually not. Because in three days, you're going to be doing something else. Why? Because you never finish anything. Whoa! Okay, but it was true. That's the mom thing to say. It was totally the mom thing to say. I am the, I've been diagnosed subsequently with, you know, I'm an ADHD executive function disaster. So to give That's her- That's a diagnosis? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Adult disaster. It's called executive malfunction. And I have it. <laughs> And so That's she a was, great name for our show yeah. if we ever want to rebrand exactly. or our production company. Yeah, yeah, right. So she was right, and I called Cammy and I go, you know, that thing we said we were going to do that we totally were not going to do. We are totally going to do that thing now. She was like, just to show her. I said, it's on. Well, I finish. She's everything. going down. Yeah, you, she's. You finish everything and everyone. If that story yeah. about you getting into the line is any true. Yeah. Uh, okay. So she's but, called the Punisher. So you wrote it together. <laughs> you yeah. wrote it together. Okay. No, and we start, then what I started. Happened? I sent her. 25 pages and said, are we really going to do this? She said, these are terrible, changed everything, sent it back to me. I said, these are terrible, changed everything, sent it back to her. And it was the relationship, the partnership was born. The only rule <laughs> And the we, process. The only rule <laughs> wow. was you had to keep moving forward ah, so you could yeah. change it, but I, the next person couldn't change it back. Until much going. later. Oh, when, when wow. well, this is fascinating in. to me because like, we, we do a lot of writing on the show, That's but we do it separately. Rule. We don't do it together. And well, I'm yeah. always fascinated yeah. with how you would actually really like literally. Well, we no, weren't. We in the like room. to talk to each other. It was other. like we were emailing it and all of a sudden I'd be like, what happened to my yeah. incredibly you know, poignant line? It's gone. Yeah. Well, you know the famous story about Stephen King and Peter Strobe collaborating on The Talisman. I actually think it was you who told me this story, no. Eric Shawquin. So they were writing, You would write, he would write a chapter and then the, the next one would have to write the next chapter. So in one chapter, he just made one of the characters have a gay experience. With the other character. <laughs> like they, were, they had this gay moment at the end of the chapter that's this like gay sex scene and, and go Stephen and Stephen was like well it was a one time thing and, like, <laughs> and they never talked about it again but their, their rule was you couldn't go back either right. so yeah excellent no, I love that story. you know what it's great because it was our first uh experience not to keep the gay the one off gay uh experience going but it was they're not my type (laughs) it was our first experience and it taught us not to be precious so now in my head i like i'm almost too ready to part with anything but i know i mean i really it was actually great for my marriage and for raising children because Mm -hmm. i I really learned that two equally intelligent people can be so different all the way through inside and out. Mm-hmm. And so I now, like, I realize I'm not necessarily the authority on this decision. Right, right, and that yeah. was an invaluable lesson, like, all the way through my life. And it really, really helped. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it- I think it's a particularly helpful lesson for writers. Like yeah. one of the things that benefited me was learning to write in advertising. I would have, and this is my wife and she thinks you suck, you know, yeah. like, okay, so do it again. Like right. there was no sense of the constant hanging on to every word yeah. and the pride of authorship guiding every right. decision right. and battling over every scintilla. But also we were writing for a specific group of kids and mm-hmm. every day they would come home from school and they would, they'd be like, what were you doing all day? Sitting around eating bonbons and we'd say well first of all you don't really know what a bonbon is right? and neither do I <laughs> I assure I you if delicious. we, if we had bonbons. them we'd eat them right? yeah. I think there's some out there there's but some in your gift we bag. wrote it like serialized fiction yeah. so every night you know we would write and then in the morning we'd send them new chapters so and it started spreading virally through several high schools where all of my previous students and their friends were attending. But also we listened to them. We did. You know, they would it was interesting cuz the questions that they asked about what happened next impacted what happened next. We didn't like, you know, collaborate, but they would say things like, you know, what happened to Ridley? You know, is she going to be in the next chapter cuz she's so cool and we were be like they like We'd her. Say, sure. Hold on. Stay That's right there. So fascinating. I would yeah. love to write something that way with yeah. sort of feedback. But wow. you have to have a thick skin too, because some of the oh, stuff they'll say, especially because like, they're teenagers the are mean. Yeah. yeah oh, absolutely. And they used to be super respectful and like like reverent of me. And yeah. now that she's totally ruined it. Now yeah. I'm just like mom's writing partner, and I'm not wow. cool anymore. No, you're wow. you are as lame as I am. Oh, no, now. I used to. They used to like be like, Mrs. Garcia. You're the coolest, and you dress so yeah. cute. And then they and found you're so wonderful. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, and now they're just like, ugh, mom's writing partner. Another adult. No, but about about six weeks in, I got a text in the middle of the night from a girl named Joyce who did not live in our town and uh who I didn't know, saying, I need more pages. I only have up to page Whoa. 64. And that was our first actual reader who didn't know us. Wow. And that was really cool. And then, um, sadly, we sent the pages, right? And I was like, great, we have a reader. And that's when we kind of knew we'd finish. And 12 weeks to the day after the bet, we handed the manuscript to my oldest daughter, who sat at our dining room, my dining room table and cried. And I was like, yes, we won. We make, we make children cry. <laughs> Excellent. Woo! Excellent. And we had no plan. That well, we was, did that have a plan. It. We were going to get Margie's sister-in-law, a web designer, to design a very fancy website for us. Oh, yeah. And we were going to put up the story for free. So people could go up on our fancy and website. And read the end of it. And read it. Cool. Yeah. Okay. And then what happened? This is my favorite part of the story, by the right. way. So then um, Margie's oldest friend, who is also a middle grade author, his name is Pseudonymous Bosch. He writes the Secret Series. Spoiler, that's not his real name. Yes. Yeah, she yeah, sent yeah. Really? Had, He had been reading it also while we were writing. And we told him about our master plan for the website. He said, you two are idiots. Don't do that. Go find something else to do for a couple days. And he sent it to his agent in New York without telling us. And yeah. she called Margie. And I was like, ooh, exciting, long-distance phone call. It's New York. It's probably someone from college, a guy I've forgotten about. <laughs> or a collection know. agent. Yeah, usually. No, that's uh, like Maryland. Delaware. Thanks. So um, she calls, and I call Cammie, and I go, good news. Someone in New York likes our book. I think she's an agent. Bad news. Don't know her last name. Don't know where she works. Don't have her phone number. <laughs> so you just had this call with her like, hey, yeah, yeah. Well, I Margie love was books. too polite to be like, who are you? Which yeah. really marked the beginning of our relationship with our agent. But we let me stop so you for a second. Stupid. So the agent wasn't aware that you hadn't submitted this? That this? No, she submit- knew we okay. hadn't because she, right. she repped, you know, pseudonymous Bosch. I don't think oh. she knew how stupid we were. Okay. And uh, to this to this day, like we never. Naive. Let's go with naive. No, we didn't. Is so harsh. We didn't sign an agreement with her. We never knew we had an agent for sure until she sold the we book. We would discuss privately. I'd be, Margie would be like, okay, when she's talking to us, don't ask a lot of questions because if she realizes how stupid we are, she's going to fire us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She'd be like, so just go along Trying with whatever she says. Trying to impress the agent. She's like, yeah. go along with whatever she says until we get that contract, which so, we still don't have. Yeah. So, we, got one. <laughs> we, got, we got off the phone after it went to auction. It immediately it went to a big auction. No, no, no. You got to start back. Yeah, start so back this up. is my favorite. So, yeah. We call Pseudonymous Bosch to brag about the New York agent who wants our book. And he's like, you two are idiots. How do you think anyone in New York got your book? That's my agent. And we're like, well, good. Now we know her name. Right? Detective work pays off. She submits it. And we get, she would always call and talk very fast. We would be on conference call. And she called and she said, okay, I'm sending it out. Um, I sent it, I'm sending it out. I'll call you tomorrow for an update. She calls us back and says, okay, the book's going to auction, but it's a Friday. We're not going to do anything till Monday. Do you have any questions? And we're like, no, because, you know, we're not going to yeah. ask any questions. And then she was like, okay, great, I'll update you. And she hangs up. And then Margie immediately calls me and says, it's an auction. Like, that's that's good, right? And I was like, no, no, no. This is how they sell pigs in the South at the end of the fair that no one wants. She's like, this is a 4-H disaster. <laughs> I was and like, I was like crap, I thought it was a good no, thing. No, I was like, we're going to get $4.95 for this book, and we're going to be the laughing stock of everyone we know. But we thought, well, we'd be published. That would be a good so, thing. So, there's that. Yeah, so we, uh, it is apparently not how you sell pigs. No. It's not the same. Well, it no, is, no. but it's not, not the same. same. It is how you sell pigs, but it's not actually the same thing It's actually a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because then other people are driving up the price. Yes, and we it took us a while to figure all that out, and um, and many other things along the way. But this is how our entire publishing career has basically gone. We sold the movie rights to Warner before the um, before the book came out, and we were like, "Don't worry, no one will ever make it." This will never happen. Like, this is, we're from LA. We're like, oh, we know yeah, about this. Yeah, well, wait, right. but that's the best story, too. It was an auction, also, right? Uh-huh. And so Margie's in Germany, and she said, like, we discussed all the particulars in advance. She said, you're not going to be able to get in touch with me, so you're going to have to make, like, the final say. Like, talk to our Ooh, agents, wow, you know, figure it out. Pressure. So I wow. said, well, well, we knew who we were dealing with. And I said, okay. And she said, listen to our agents. So I'm waiting, I'm waiting. They're calling me. They're like, don't leave the house. It's going down in an hour. And then they both call me, the agents, and I'm on the phone. And they're like, okay, here's the choices. You know, A or Warner Brothers, you know, this is what we think, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, you know, we have a kind of a feeling of what you should do. We don't want to tell you. We don't want to influence you. And I was like, we're going to go with the dark night. 
Yeah. And they were yeah. like, well done, ladies. Yes. And I said, Mergie said, like, I should have known that would be your criteria for choosing that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a pretty good choice. The what, Dark Knight. Yeah. Can't beat The Dark Knight. That was with us the whole way through. We had no idea what was going on. We'd be named for prizes and lists and top 10 books of, you know, the like year. Like when they called about the New York Times and I didn't believe them? Cammy was, Cammy's response to everything was, until it's in print, I'm not telling my parents. Because <laughs> she, her first action, her first question every every single time without fail was, can they change their minds? Is it online you right know, now? She would like, if wow. if they can change, if the, and they're like, that's not even a question. The New York Times bestseller list doesn't like way. have a mind about it. I said, it. I'm not telling my mom and my family in the South that I'm on the New York Times list, and then I find out there's like a hanging chat or something on Saturday night, and I'm not on there. <laughs> oh, no, we counted one of Stephen King's votes yeah. for you. I, mean, I would oh, never, no. I would never live that down. Yeah. So we were like the, and we were And sometimes in the South, it still doesn't help. Yeah, we rolled like idiots through that whole first year, and that was probably the best thing about having a right partner was we weren't like idiots alone we were idiots <laughs> together which I, is you know it's a great story that. though it's a great story because some people think they can micromanage the process and your story is like it happened the way it was going to happen yeah. and you just sort of went along for the ride regardless yeah. of your lack of knowledge about the industry it just sort of unfolded but i think there's like a special electricity that comes from doing a project because you want to do it as, mm -hmm. as like cheesy and earnest as that sounds we just wanted to write that story right we just wanted to be in that story it's and a story that you had to tell yeah and i think those kind of crackle so if we were we writing for money if we had been if we had known from the beginning we were trying to sell that book it wouldn't have been 500 pages it wouldn't have had a civil war right, backstory right, it right. wouldn't have been set in the south it wouldn't have had a thousand characters like yeah. we did what you know we did that. We wrote the story we wanted, and the mm -hmm. story those readers wanted. Right. And I don't think we would have taken those kinds of risks if Absolutely. we, if yeah. we had been thinking we need to sell. If you've this. been basing it on the stakes. Absolutely. Yeah. It's I very, think that's, and very, I think it's a great way to write. It's a great way to write, and it's very hard to go back to that space when I you agree. have to write again. But I think it's a worthy endeavor to yeah. try to yeah. get back there. You know, because nobody knows anything. It's equally true of publishing as it is of film. We don't, nobody knows what's going to work. Nobody knows what the next thing is going to be, particularly in YA, which is such a successful genre um, that's all about sort of trends that, that right. move to the front. I mean, where are the trends now? Is it still dystopian or is it more sort of in the vein of supernatural? Right now it's contemporary, you know, kind yeah. of John Green, The Fault in Our Stars, Gail Foreman's If I Stay. But I don't out. even think it's broadly contemporary as much as it is marquee-driven contemporary, like specifically yeah. John Green and specifically Gail Foreman. So that's sort of frustrating because but if you're not John Green... That's happening all over. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's part of that's the disruption the that we're in. It's, it's, it's that established brand name bestsellers are getting bigger, but there's not a lot of new rollouts of new talents happening yeah. but, in any of the genres. But one yeah. of the things, you know, when I'm on panels that I always tell writers, you know, especially newer writers that are, you know, worried about trend chasing is... Whenever a new, you know, book breaks out, it's never in that hot genre. Right. It's always in something else, yeah. and it's always somebody... Because people are looking for something it's new. It's always somebody who yeah. either did something like we did or just wrote the book they wanted to read, yeah. and it's kind of weird and crazy, and because it's different, it stands out in the market. Like, yeah. there was not a big Southern book since... Your mom. I mean, there was no Anne Rice was the big Southern name that compared us yeah. to in Paranormal. Paranormal yeah, right. in YA. Right. Like that didn't. So like people thought we were nuts. Yeah. You know, that was like a. Yeah. Every. You know. Yeah. Go ahead. As Eric, the, as the Chronicles place. rolled forward, did you continue with this sort of inclusive process? Like there, there's a bunch of other books in the series now, and and were the were the, was the the fantasy book club still included how did how did your process evolve as you moved on to no uh, we, yeah we they were too busy for us we alienated <laughs> we alienated our entire process my middle my middle daughter who was very editor like we kept her home from school for 3 days just to be a bitch so she read the manuscript before we turned in the final version and she was like um mrs garcia you don't have to say and then it happened because, um, hello, in the next sentence, it happened. <laughs> They'd be like, oh, yeah. And she'd be like, wow. Mrs. Garcia. Oh, well, she only said Mrs. Garcia because Margie wouldn't face, like, the demon. And she left yeah. the room and pretended she was going on jack-in-the-box runs for three That's days. so true. I wasn't dealing with that. So wow. I had to sit there with the laptop. Like, she'd be like, please turn to page 147. Yeah. <laughs> 
And she was, are, she was 12. It says that 14 times on the page. I Don't you think you could them. cut it down to one? Wow. But she would say, Mrs. Garcia, if you emphasize everything, I mean, isn't it basically the same as emphasizing nothing? Wow. <laughs> and then she the second day, she was like, I want to go back to school. Yeah. She finally said, Mom. I have to go to school. It's the law. <laughs> and I said, what any mother would say in that circumstance, which is, don't be so selfish. Get back in the room and work. It's for the family. <laughs> Fix mommy's novel. So then, like, I don't think you could pay anyone in my family to even read well, a book. Well, mine didn't. But my kids were young. They my all moved son, to their own house. Yeah. How old was he? Nick was, I think he was about... You had a baby. Well, I had a baby, but the, my son was older. I think he was like probably four or five when the book came out. He's probably five. So we go to the store. We see the book on the shelf. He's like excited. Everyone takes their picture. We come back home. And Margie calls because she's going to the bookstore with her daughters to go look at the book. And she calls. And Nick answers the phone. He was like, is, he was like, and Margie's his godmother, by the way. He's like, Margie, is this you? And she's like, yes. And he's like, you guys are done writing the book. It's all over. Stop calling now. <laughs> <laughs> and when I told him there was another book, he was like, another book? You're kidding, I think right? He, I think he cried. <gasps> they, did, they, they were not No they were one was that fans. excited about us anymore. Uh, Once you were ahead, they were all done with you. Yeah, we were. Until there was a premiere tickets. Then, of course, they liked us. Although oh, on, the way to, yeah. on the way to the premiere, my 12-year-old said to me, wait, 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 how does this book end again? <laughs> and I was like, do not tell me you have not read the book which you are now going to the movie premiere of, that is your mother's book. <laughs> and she said, Mom, what's the point of having the mother be the writer if she can't just tell you how it ends? Uh-huh. <laughs> wow. So the movie got made. Woohoo! Which yeah. is rare because the movie, as you said earlier, that and living in L.A., you know the movie it, doesn't it often get made. It sometimes surprises me that movies ever get made. Yeah. Yes. Like, the process is so circuitous and Byzantine that you think... How does anything ever get produced? And then you go and see the stuff that does get produced, and you go, "Why am I not in production? How is this?" Right. So it what does was seem your very process? Arbitrary. How was your? Um, how did it go for you guys? It didn't take off right away. We it was you know like a lot of you know hurry up and wait. No, but we, then, because we sold it before. Think right. about this: we sold the rights before the series came out, and so it, two, late and it, 2009, and it was made after the series wrapped. Think about that. Yeah, that's a but long they were, development process. They, but... Didn't they start production though while we were doing book four? I don't I know. Felt like... I, I'm the ADHD person. But <laughs> did you did you ever want to write the <laughs> movie? Cover story. No. Did you, did you didn't oh no, want to write we did the not. Movie. We yeah. we have a lot of respect for screenwriters. We believe that that's like a that's a skill and a craft, right. and it's not like you know, oh, screenplay is shorter. You can write that. Oh no, no we uh, we opened... we wanted to. We didn't want to be in it, and we didn't want to write the screenplay because we didn't want... even want a little cameo no. of like uh, you no, know pushing we, a shopping cart. No, we wanted. Our, our name on there, which we got. Yes. We did not want anyone to see us. That would make the movie less, you know, entertaining right. for sure. Okay. We are so old and regular looking next to actors who are beautiful and sylph-like that it was even horrifying to be in a still photo with them. <laughs> I agree. Like we were all trying to get away from the 20-year-olds <laughs> at all times. The two of you are so self-deprecating. Yeah. You so are lovely. There's the thing with your author photo, right? If somebody doesn't know a lot oh, about you and they the see- original. The Sling Blade author photo? It's like, wow, that is a really pretty lesbian couple. Yeah, well, it's, a, it's our lesbian wedding photo. Yeah. <laughs> but it gets progressively more lesbian with each subsequent author photo. Like, it start, you're holding up like a tree branch in one. Well, right? do you like uh, the fact that number one, we should tell for those you know who haven't seen it, we're barefoot yeah. in the in the forest, like in the right. with our heads on so each other's shoulders. Lesbian right? fairies. Yeah, so it's, we're the lesbian yeah. fairy lesbian I have unfortunately because I you know I I am not a model. I had my arms propped up on my knees so I literally look like a butch prison inmate. <laughs> Margie has a dress on and makeup which is not like her at all with stick. her head on my and shoulder. And I had an yeah. unfortunate haircut. We both stick had with Cammy, you'll be haircut. safe. Yeah. Well the worst one was there's one where Margie's standing up and she was she insisted on holding this tree branch like over her shoulders. Yes, that's what I'm and talking I'm, about. Right, the tree branch I'm over sitting, the shoulders. I'm like I'm below her 
And so it literally looks like she's Gandalf and I'm Frodo. Which, by the way, we've- <laughs> Only someone, lesbian. Someone's called us that in a picture before. You just It's not only that you can't read the comments, you can't even read the captions on no, some no. stuff online, but no, we were called Gandalf and Frodo. And then Margie tried to argue online. that it's worse to be Gandalf. And I was like, Frodo's like a small, hairy troll. Gandalf is like 900 years old. I would rather be 900 years old than an attractive and a wizard. Then there was a time we were at uh, we were at Palo Alto at a bookstore. And we I'm were, glad you've thought that's we were billed as a mother-daughter act. <laughs> thank you. As the mother, I just have to say thank it you very much. It did not say who was the mother. I really, of course it really, did. Because it's elliptical. She's taller. The I mother's taller. I get yeah. that. We get the same. And my favorite was after we did a school visit in South Carolina, <laughs> we, there was a newspaper article published in a, you know, a big uh South Carolina newspaper, and it says there's a you know a photo of us and stuff, and then the first comment is I'd like to take a milk bath with those two, <laughs> and the second comment is those ladies are really funny. They came to my school today, but I think that the big one's really into the little one. <laughs> That's my favorite one. That's my very. What favorite is the one. South Carolina connection? Like, are you you said well, the book set in South Carolina. I, I know that. I but you made that choice and yeah. you started a book festival or yeah, the, we run the, the Y'all Fest yeah, we in run Charleston. The, and we want to live in Charleston. We're hoping that they'll just donate a house to us. That's soon. the connection. Yeah, no, yeah. beautiful we, city. I used to live on Sullivan's Island. Oh, you did. Oh, yeah. I'm so jealous. Yeah. We you love did? the Low Country. Yeah. It's a great place for magic to roll in from the sea. Charleston. When you go on school visits there, the questions are. So hilarious! They're they're, they're very like, serious, Margie. They want the real life answers to what to do in a in a supernatural threat. Okay, first yes. of all, she's not superstitious. She's not talking about supernatural threat. She's talking about like you know. The hag taking your breath when you're sleeping, yeah. sleeping in a room with a 13. These are very real dangers but in life. Yeah, yeah. well, she does truly believe that. But this is a population of school children who's, who like, believe that too. who's like, I'll yes. sleep with the broom next to my bed. So it's it's fabulous. I got a broom when I was there after I found yeah. out that. I was like, what? What, what, what? What is that? What is the broom? Apparently the hag comes at night and Which she can steal your breath, but she's scared of the broom. So you keep a broom next to your bed and it keeps her away. That's the gist. Okay. But anyway, it's like like half the conversations. I'm getting a broom. Half the conversations. <laughs> I mean, why not? Yeah, I'm is, getting hag away. It comes in a bottle. <laughs> it's please. I I fly. I have a charm Ew, necklace that I fly with. I have a I have a charm necklace that I fly with with like um, religious medals from many religions all over the world. You just want to be blessed. covered in case you're going down. Totally. Yeah. You're gonna be at the pearly gates of something holding up She's your icon. Like, like, it's so these. big. Margie will be like, "Can you please tuck that damn thing into your shirt? Because it's so humiliating." Well, to be because on the plane. I'm the one that has to stop the plane when like they're Mr. about to T. take off if the necklace isn't on. Because you don't want to you don't want to know what Like, happens. I'll get out of my seat and I'll be in the bag. But you need to sit down, oh, man. I'm like, no. then I'm getting off the plane. Yeah. Oh, call no. the marshal. Oh, That's where it goes. No. Right to call the marshal. Like, there was one flight, my best flight ever, because I'm scared to fly. I had um, a nurse on one side and a mom with an infant on the other. And everyone's like, you know, someone was switching their seats. I was like, I'll totally sit next to the baby. So I was like, there's no way, like, God's taking down the plane with the baby and the nurse. Like, everybody in the back is screwed. Do you want to know so who was on, on God? Do you want to know yeah. who was on one of my flights? Mother, Mother Teresa. Teresa. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's my, that would be my Mother dream. Teresa That's was on one of my flights. Did, I was like, we're good. Did you we offer to so let her sit good. in your lap? I would have. We did. One of, one of, <laughs> a member of our party offered to give up her seat for Mother Teresa because we were in a better class of service, and Mother Teresa said she did not want to be separated from her sisters. They make Mother Teresa fly coach? She was in business. Those yeah. things freak me yeah. out, though, because God does the thing where the, the busload of orphans goes over the, the Oh, the, yeah, the or it's a school like, group. You're so that we'll all like, feel terrible. Like, I would be maybe more trepidatious if there were a lot of undeserving... There is Don't a, put these ideas in my no. mind. It just yeah. totally scares me. I, you're a Supernatural fan. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, what an amazing show. What well, you like amazing, Unbreakable, then, because like, it's it's got ghost hunting I and demons and all that sort of stuff. wait. Yeah, yeah. like, the, that, that whole sense of... The, the porousness of the universe, yeah. of the, the sort of coming and going. When they got to the place where their story was being written by the prophet. So great. And 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 so there was two levels yes. of the, the yeah. story happening, both in reality as well. So I, I'll tell you this huge secret. This is a big secret. Oh. I don't usually. Oh. I don't know. Um, you must secret. Have, she's super drunk. 
I'm not super drunk. <laughs> well, yet. that looks like She's coffee. Is that a daiquiri? Did Listen, you bring a daiquiri you, into the dinner party spike, show? You, you, can spike, you can spike anything, Chris. You know that. <laughs> I grew up in New Orleans. I know that. Oh. Well, she was alone with the bar in the lobby, so, so no telling what's in there. So I, I am, I am with definitely child. really superstitious. And <laughs> even before, I'm not with. I am not with childhood. <laughs> no, Unless I have enough children. Christopher's in the room. That's the so, only child uh, that we're counting. So when I have always, I don't watch horror movies or anything. I write horror, but I'm super chicken. Terrifying. And I am very concerned about demonic possession and the devil. Like, that's the thing that scares me most. Like, my stepdad was undercover cop. Like, I'll take on, like, if you want to try to abduct me in the white van and put the lotion on the skin, like, bring it. She was not allowed to go on a date. Don't really bring it. This is just a theoretical conversation. But I'm saying, like, I'll take you down. She had to demonstrate she could get out of the trunk of a moving car before her Not a moving car, it was still. just a car. I'm sorry. Just a car. (laughs) moving car. Before she could go on a date. Like, before you could pop out the taillights and stuff. Wow, yeah. But either way, so I was always really worried about being possessed and um my girlfriend was like like i'm not really sure why you feel like you are a good candidate for demonic you know the devil to possess you like usually it goes for like super pious yeah, people the devil's like yeah. she's not like you sinned you. way too much like you're not really that appealing and then i felt a lot better about it after but, that uh, yeah and cammy i think it goes also for like super kind of quiet people sort of yeah. pl- flexible really? people people, people who are vulnerable I think you've got a bit like the devil would see your personality and be like oh that's way too yeah. much work I'm it's gonna like, go for that it's none. like the plane theory it's like because those people are on it that's why it's more scary so you're much more exempt because yeah. oh, you're good. not okay. some little butter wouldn't melt in their mouth uh, sweet poly purebred that that's you know then is going to be the victory for yeah. the devil if and I'm not a virgin if you're, you're not kind, much that's of a yeah, you're so kind of a, not a virgin you're kind of a <laughs> tough, so not tough a virgin. question yeah with the kids that really the virgin so thing is Really difficult or, or just Comic Con, yeah, no. or, <laughs> or those author See, photos. I think, I think you and I do very different things at Comic Con. Yeah. I've never been to Comic Con, actually. I have never oh. been to San Diego Comic Con. Yeah, dun, dun, dun. my mother goes and they put her in a tube and push her around places, and I don't know if. And I then you be have to, and the then tube. you have to work the event to get her signature. Yeah, who's that stalker in the red apron? She looks like an author. She doesn't look like she works. No, for the, the best part was I, I, you know, the book is like you know number one and everything, and I bring my book over and I go, you know, I'm such a big fan. I, you know, I. I wrote a book and she's like, oh, that's so sweet, dear. I hope it does really well for you. And I'm like, thank you so much, Mrs. Rice. And my assistant's like, why don't you tell her who you are? I'm like, she doesn't know who I am. I could be like, by the way, oh, goddess of too. Southern Gothic, yeah. guess who I am? She'd be like, I've never really heard of your small book, dear. <laughs> You're with, like, my, with my 54 books. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. But wait, wait. Was that your big announcement? Just that you are uh, that superstitious? I'm su- I, no, but it's a little embarrassing to admit that, that, that you actively you. worry about being possessed all the time until I found out that the more I, I sin, I, the I, less susceptible I am. I can't think of a, a worse candidate for possession than you, Cami Garcia. Well, I, I feel just, better yeah. now. Because I don't know. I think they would have to be able to tell that you had been possessed. And- <laughs> That's I'm not true. sure that that would be Is immediately it, apparent. You can start like, a game online. Possessed or camping? Do you know right? I... It's Maybe like a YouTube just, thing. Yeah, that would just be think a you had a bug. Yeah, I was really afraid of the devil growing up. My family was super religious. And I uh, imagined... I, like, morphed the devil into all horror stories so that, like, if you looked at a mirror at night, like, in a dark room, I assumed you'd see the devil. If you looked in the reflective glass out your window, I assumed it was the devil. And I knew what the devil looked like, which was the Joker from the old Batman and Robin mm. TV shows. Mm. Oh, no, he's much more handsome. Oh, is he? Yeah. See, I don't, I never was scared. You of can't that. entice anyone if you look like right. the Joker. You have to look more like Chris Rice. Just handsome uh-huh. and normal. Christopher actually is the devil. You're actually being possessed see? right now. <laughs> All right, we could stay here. We're, next week, we're going to roll out a Supernatural fan podcast just with Cammie and Eric. We'll yeah. do it Skype or oh something. my God! Absolutely, I could my talk about that forever. Like that. Yeah, the book is out Jared today, is. or the book is out today because as our party people know, we're pre-recording. But it's this been interview. out for five days. It's been out for five days. By the time you're hearing this on the dinner party show, right. congratulations! You're going to have Thank a great you. event Yay. at Barnes and Noble in the Grove it's tonight. Available everywhere. It's called Unmarked. 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 Part of the it Legion series. It is the series. sequel to Unbreakable, and it and is unputdownable. Is there another icon <laughs> coming up? Uh, no, my next book is uh, Marvel's 
first YA novel. So wow, I'm, I'm cool. sort of a superhero today. Cool, wow. excellent. Very cool. Well, yeah. we'll have product uh, links galore at yeah. thedinnerpartyshow.com so everybody can check you out, and we have information about you two up there now, but no more information than was contained in this wonderful interview. <laughs> Thank you so much With Cami Garcia and Margaret Stoll. Thanks, we'll be guys. back Thank after you. this. Thank you. We'll be back after this short break. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn, where dessert is the most important meal of the day. Welcome back to The Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And we have both been possessed by demons, Uh, according to Cammie Garcia and Margaret Stahl. Who are amazing guests, and we hope they'll be back at The Dinner Party Show soon. But next Sunday, we are joined by Kristen Johnston. I can't wait. I think she's such a riot. You may remember her from Third Rock from the Sun, and she's currently starring on the TV Land series The Exes. And she will be here to talk about her memoir, Guts, and her controversial new blog. And she's fabulous wherever she goes. Absolutely. Well, until then, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you've been listening to The Dinner Party Show. Thanks. Party.